So to get started here, I want you all to get into groups of about two or three and talk to each other about something or your reaction to something in your life that you were eagerly planning out and it didn't go at all the way you wanted it to. How'd you react to that situation? Go ahead. So what, what were some of those reactions? How did some of you, how did some of you react? What was your reaction? She broke her phone. That was your reaction. Oh, I get it now. She broke her phone. Anyone else? All right, so for some of us, things were positive, and things turned out a way that we were excited about, but when we plan something like a graduation party, and we want that to be this awesome time with all our friends, and it gets rained out, and our house starts to flood, I'm sure there's some tension, some anger, some disappointment, some frustration, and one thing that's important, though, is that we're not alone in that. I have a movie clip for you about a particular favorite movie of mine where people react to something they don't really like. So let's roll that. who was foiled in his attempted suicide by Mr. Incredible, has filed suit against the famed superhero in Superior Court. Mr. Sansweet didn't ask to be saved. Mr. Sansweet didn't want to be saved. And the injury received from Mr. Incredible's actions, so-called, causes him daily pain. Hey, I saved your life! You didn't save my life, you ruined my death! That's what this Listen, my client has no further comment at this time. Five days later, another suit was filed by the victims of the L-Train accident. Incredible's court losses cost the government millions and open the floodgates for dozens of superhero lawsuits the world over. It is time for their secret identity to become their only identity. Time for them to join us or go away. It's rough. <laughs> Picture it, you're a superhero. You devote your life to, sol uh, to fighting crime, to defeating evil, and saving people's lives. You care about people, yet you do one thing, a guy gets really angry, and a lawsuit opens up. And then another lawsuit opens up. And then lawsuits all over the world are opening up because people are being saved in a way that they don't want to be saved. Interesting. See, I look at this and I think, those guys are crazy. Who wouldn't want someone like Captain America or Thor going around and hitting evil in the face with a shield or a hammer? I don't know. But then I think about it more, and how crazy are they really? Here's another story. If you turn with me to John 18, verses 1 through 11. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus, son of Nazareth, or Jesus of Nazareth. 
And Jesus answered them, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? This is the word of the Lord. So what we're going to do tonight is kind of just walk through this passage a little bit and just explore the events that led up to Jesus' arrest. Because right after that, he gives himself up. So, a little context here. Just a week ago, Jesus of, of this time, Jesus had been walking or riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. And people were throwing palms at his feet saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We are leading the way for the King of Kings as he rides into Jerusalem. And a week later, they're ready to kill him. Seems a little strange to me. Then, so, but, okay, so it is a little strange. <laughs> Sorry, it is strange. But we look at the Hebrew scriptures and the interpretations that people got from them, and then they look at who Jesus is. They're looking for a Messiah, an all-powerful uber-deity, to be descending from the cloud, shooting lightning bolts from his fingertips, disintegrating the Roman soldiers, and leading the Israelite people into a once-and-for-all holy nation. They wanted a king. And they got this guy going around telling them to love each other, sell everything they own or they won't see the kingdom of heaven, and to follow God's commandments in a much more intense and deep way than they had ever imagined. That's not the Messiah they were looking for. It's almost like the Pharisees see this, and they're walking around like Obi-Wan Kenobi going, this is not the Messiah you were looking for. Brainwashing people into this idea that they have this false Messiah walking around. around. They wanted a sword-swinging juggernaut, but what Christ was offering was true freedom. Freedom from the bondage that sin has had over them and a unity with their Father in heaven. They didn't want that. We didn't want that. We wanted someone to help us with our earthly needs. What God did was take our expectations of who the Messiah was supposed to be and blew them out of the water. God does that with us all the time. And we don't really like it. And this leads to why Judas betrayed him, and this leads to his arrest. So Judas got temple guards together after asking the Pharisees and the chief priests, and he also got some Roman soldiers together. Now, I don't know about you, but almost every interpretation I've seen about this story is you have Jesus with his 12 disciples over on this side of the garden. Judas shows up with some guys carrying pitchforks and torches, and there's not that many of them. And you just kind of have this showdown, and Jesus just willingly gives himself up. Why would they need to bring a whole lot of people? But we can look at the Greek here. It says Jesus brought, or Judas brought, procured a band of soldiers. Now, why, what, what are we talking about with this band of soldiers? Well, if we take the context of where we are, this week leading up to Jesus' arrest was the Passover preparation. And the Passover was a time where there was going to be a huge influx of Jewish people 
into Israel, into Jerusalem, to pray, to offer sacrifice, to worship at the temple. So with an influx of uh, Jewish people, we're also going to see the Romans who currently occupy the area putting more soldiers in there just to kind of maintain the peace. So we've already got more soldiers there. On top of that, you have this guy who came in and was just praised by everyone. They're calling him king. And then all of a sudden, in about a week's time, people are yelling, kill him, crucify him. We want him dead. I think Jesus was pretty high up there on Romans uh, or on Rome's people to look out to out for lists. So Judas procures a band of soldiers. Now the Greek word here that we see is spera. That's a sigma pi. Uh, yeah, those are letters. Um, so spera. And what this word means and what it references is a cohort. Now, a cohort, a cohort of Roman soldiers was actually made up of 600 soldiers led by a military tribune. Now, they weren't going to send all 600 soldiers to arrest Jesus, but chances are they sent around 200 soldiers with Judas. So Judas wasn't just walking in with a couple of people. Judas had amassed a small army to take on Jesus. And he must have had some clear power there. So Judas shows up with this army. It stopped working. Oh, it worked that time. Roman cohort. Cohort. Great. Um, so Judas shows up with this small army of about 200 soldiers plus the chief priest's guards. And Jesus sees this army approaching. And he boldly just walks out there and says, Who are you looking for? Jesus walks out in front of 200 soldiers and some, and just nonchalant, who are you looking for? Hey, guys. So, why does he do this? I think he has confidence that God is at his back here, and we see what happens. When he walks out there, they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Which one of you guys is him? And Jesus says, I am he. And it's quite possible that he simply said, I am he. But I don't think saying the words, I am he, would make people fall to their backs. Pretty sure if one of you came up to me and said, hey, Will, I am he, I wouldn't fall over on my back. It's just not the, the, the power that you're seeing here. But again, we're going to go to the Greek, because Greek is awesome. And we get, if it, if it works. Oh, it worked twice. Okay, ego, Amy which means I am. And this I am, it can mean other things, but this I am really shows the raw power of God and the pure power of God. And Jesus is saying, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am the Son of God. I am Savior, Messiah. And it's like he puts his foot forward, opens his mouth, and a sonic boom shockwave shoots out of his mouth and just knocks people over. Raw power of God, yeah, right? Raw power, and it's awesome. See, Jesus was aligning himself with the Father's plan. Jesus knew he had to go through with this sacrifice. Jesus knew all the things that were going to happen to him. But he moves forward with it. He wasn't forced into arrest. 
he gave himself up. And it was God's will to do God's will for him to do so. Friends, God has a plan for your lives. And it might not always make you comfortable. Just like you have plans for your life, like having a graduation party and your house getting flooded. God has plans for your life, and he's gonna, he may put you in situations that you don't like. And there's two ways that we can react to that. The first one is in verse 10, where Peter freaks out and draws his sword and cuts someone's ear off. He's thinking, shoot, this teacher who just a few days ago told me that he was going to die is actually going to die. And I've been walking with him for the past three years. He's supposed to be the Messiah. Now remember, Peter was also Jewish, and he may have had some of those expectations of who the Messiah was supposed to be, and yet he was walking with Jesus, and he knew who Jesus really was, but at the same time, could he have been clinging to something else? He had a, major, he had a minor freakout and cuts off someone's ear. So we can act like Peter and have minor freakouts. I'm not telling you to go cut off someone's ear. But we may have minor freakouts when things don't go our way. Or we can accept that it's part of God's plan for us and accept that there's a reason for it and step into it. Now someone here has a story to share with you about something that God's done in her life and how she's reacted to it. I want to welcome up Holly to share her story. Everyone give Holly a round of applause. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Will Brooks. Hey, guys. I have a story to share with you, and it's pretty recent, so get excited. It's still unfolding. Um, once upon a time, about two and a half weeks ago, I was frustrated and taking 15 credits and trying to do a lot of other things. Um, I was also thinking that, you know what, just suck it up. You have two more months and you graduate. You walk across that stage and you hug Tejas so hard. Um, <laughs> but, okay, just suck it up and do it. But there, I just felt this pull. I just felt pulled so many ways because school is not my favorite thing. This is, this is no secret. I mean, like the structure of it and I don't know. There are other things that I feel passionate about and I, I need to share some of that so you like understand what I'm about to say about the story. Um, one thing is leading worship here. I don't know if you noticed that, but that's something um, that I feel called to and that gives me so much life and takes up a lot of my time, which is great because I'd like to spend time that way. Um, also, food, feeding people, nutrition, health. I work at a health food store. I nerd out about health food, and I love it. Um, so that's another thing that's taken up my time. Think about that. Um, but I'm in this class that really is sinking fast um, two and a half weeks ago. And, but I'm like, you know what? You need to suck it up. You need to graduate. That's what you do, right? That's, that's the world. You just deal with it. Um, I'm not spending time with God at this point. And a lot of my friends, um, a lot of my relationships are suffering. Okay, so that was two and a half weeks ago. And I went on a trip to Detroit. Yeah, holla. <laughs> to Detroit. And um, God did crazy awesome things in my heart there. Um, and just 
reminded me and deepened a call um, in my life to food justice and justice, period, but about that. And so that got me thinking, at the very least. I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to change my life right now. But um, it got me thinking about a lot and how the way I was living um, wasn't allowing time for that or space for that, um, what God was calling me to do. I was whining about it, and I felt this resistance, like, but God, this is what I'm supposed to do, right? And I've got to graduate. I can't take any longer. I'm already taking five years, um, but which is okay, which is fine. Um, and um, anywho, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't deny it. I get back. I took a long walk, um, talked to some friends, and I needed to get rid of this class. And this class stands between me and graduation. I talked to an advisor about it. I tried to drop it earlier, like it was hot, but it didn't work. Um, and <laughs> because I, I needed to graduate, they don't offer it in the spring summer. So I was, you know, bummer, whatever, I'll do it. No, and so prayed about it. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna drop this class. And oh my gosh, I just felt so much better. And, but what it allows in my life I'm not going to graduate in April. Okay, I'll, I'll live, you know. And um, what it means is I have to take that class in the fall. I'll live. Um, but also what it means is I have to do a senior project for the Honors College. Sweet. And I was going to try to squeeze that in in spring, summer. And I didn't even know what it was going to be. And I wasn't even passionate about anything. Well, I'm passionate about a lot of things. That's a problem. And so, um, and then I just felt, oh my gosh, a leading, like, hey, God just gave me a glimpse of a possibility of, like, digging into this food justice thing and going after that for this project, taking school, the thing that's killing my soul right now, and marrying it to something that is for his glory, but what he's asking of me is to graduate later. Like, okay, so what? I'll do it. And I'll be honest, I still feel a resistance, like that whole worldly thing, like, that's not wise, that's not practical, you're being irresponsible, blah, blah, you need to just suck it up and drop other commitments, like campus ministry, or, you know, my job that I love, that give me life, like, this is a temporary season, do your school stuff. I still feel that sometimes, but what's deeper than that, and what's bigger than that, is God's peace and his plan for me, and I've got to be honest, I don't even know what this holds, but I know it's big. And so it's uncomfortable. I could be Peter right now. I could be freaking out, trying to stay in this class and have my cake and eat it too. Um, but what God's trying to uproot in me, I really think, is this. Because I'm always like, God, I want to trust you, but I want everything else, like all the earthly things about my life in order too. Like, I want it all. And he's like, sorry, you don't get that. Like, he's really asking me, like, who's your daddy? Who do you trust? <laughs> Who are you going to trust? So who's your daddy? Holly is getting on board with God's plan. She's not pulling a Peter. She could be cutting off all these relationships. She could be cutting off all these different connections she has just to graduate on time. But she just felt this call to do something else. And it might not be the most comfortable. The world might be saying, Holly, what are you doing? You're crazy. But she's saying, I'm working for the most high. It's something to keep in mind. And as Peter, who doesn't do things the right way, jumps out and cuts off Malchus's ear, 
Jesus says, Peter, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Since when did Jesus get a cup? Where'd this cup come from? It's a metaphor. Um, so if we look at... <laughs> fun fact. If we look at Jeremiah 25, we hear about something called the cup of wrath. It's a scary thing, my friends. It says, Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. We go down a little further to verse 28, and it says, And if they refuse to accept the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, You must drink. For behold, I begin to work disaster at the city that is called by my name, and shall you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished. For I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, declares the Lord of hosts. I don't like that. But, my friends, Jesus took that cup for us. Jesus took that cup of wrath. And I want you to think of this massive goblet, like Harry Potter goblet of fire goblet, except not with cool little pieces of floating paper in it, but with poison, drops of poison that are added to this massive goblet. And every single drop is from a sin that we have done, a sin from the past, a sin from the present, sins that are meant to come, and this thing is full. This cup of wrath is full, and Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, God's giving me this cup. It's for you. Do you not want me to take it? Shall I not take this? Jesus, take the cup. It's a rhetorical question when you read it. But what if it wasn't? What if Jesus said to Peter that night, he pulls Peter aside and says, Peter, is, is this a good idea? Do you think I should go through with this? First of all, why would Peter be asking Peter, or Jesus be asking Peter's advice? But second of all, Peter, do you think this is a good idea? What if on that night Jesus was being offered this movement in his life where he has to go and he knows he's moving into certain death, and instead he looks up to the heavens and says, God, that cup looks great. I know that you have a plan to save humanity, and I'm going to let you finish. But Peter and I are playing through the legendary campaign on Halo 4, and that's a lot more comfortable because we're almost done with that, and it's a little stressful at times, but it doesn't involve me physically dying. What if he looked up to the heavens and said, God, it's after 10.30, me and the 12 are going to Applebee's, and we're going to get half-off apps. What if he said, that cup looks good, but I want a milkshake? Praise God he didn't say any of those things. Because if he did, we'd still be sacrificing sheep at the well. And we'd still be dead in our sin. But Jesus accepted God's plan for him. Jesus moved forward with it, and he didn't try to flee from him. 
So Jesus wasn't fleeing from the ultimate sacrifice. And if he wasn't doing, doing that, why do we so desperately try to flee from things God wants us to do? Why do we flee from those things? First of all, I'm going to let you in on something. You can't. Psalm 139 says, Lord, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Anywhere I go, your hand's going to find me. The darkness isn't even dark to you, Lord, because you see me there. God is everywhere, and God can see you everywhere. It's like Adam and Eve when Adam's hiding in the bushes. God knew where he was. So why do we try to flee from God? Why do we try to flee and wrap ourselves in this bubble? Jesus wasn't fleeing. Jesus knew that he had to get himself in line with the Father's plan, even if it hurt him, even if it pained him, even if it caused him suffering, even if it crushed him. He was going to get in line with God's plan. So what kind of things, get back into your groups and just talk about things that you, situations in life that you tend to flee from. All right, let's bring it back. I know we don't all get time to share, but you can keep talking about this after the well's over. But what are some of the things we do run from? Just call out some stuff. Conflict? Community? Major decisions? Quietness? Anything else? Relationships. There's so many things. There's things we fear. There's things we don't want to be a part of. But those are all earthly things. Friends, God is God. And I said, as I said before, you can't run from him. You can't flee from him. So it's time to embrace him. But when he shows up, he pops up out of nowhere and he says, I'm going to do this work in your life. We tend to look up to him and say, God, I don't like what you're doing here. I don't want you to put that burden on me. Ain't nobody got time for that, God. And we say those things. We do those things. And the problem with that is that God says, look, you can either do it this way or you can do it your way, but when you do things my way, things are going to work out. But we like staying in our comfort zone. But I'm telling you now, if you like staying in your comfort zone and you like making that giant personal bubble around yourself, God's going to come at you with the biggest needle you've ever seen and pop that bubble. He's going to pop that bubble and he's going to say, I know what I'm calling you to do may hurt, I, but my spirit is moving within you. Christ's blood has made you holy. He has drank from the cup of wrath. You don't have to. Your sins are paid. I'm never going to put you through what I put him through. So get out there. Make disciples. Do what I'm calling you to do. When God calls you, you go. And by doing this, we'll ultimately be bringing God glory. Bringing glory to God. And isn't that why we were created in the first place? For God's glory? Friends, today we will be taking communion together time where we can gather together at the table and remember that Jesus paid it all and left us with grace and hope for the future.
Jesus took the cup of wrath and bore the burden that came with it through his purifying act on the cross. But from it, Jesus offers us a new cup. A cup that washes away the sins of the world and introduces grace into our lives. And that's the cup of the new covenant in his blood. It's the cup of blessing. And because Jesus drank from the cup of wrath through his death on the cross, we are no longer slaves to our sin. We are free in Christ to come to the table set before us, remembering that the wrath is satisfied and our sin has been dealt with. And that stain that we left on creation is washed away. And as we prepare to take communion together, take a little bit of time to listen to the Holy Spirit. Where is God calling you right now? Are you resisting? And if you are resisting, just think about the ultimate sacrifice that Christ made on the cross so that you don't have to resist God's plan because you know it's not going to be anything like what Christ took on his shoulders. No suffering, no persecution, no danger is going to amount to what Christ had to endure. Don't get me wrong, you're going to experience pain. You're going to experience suffering. You're going to experience hard times. But through those and with those comes joy, growth, freedom, and life. Real life. Remember that this cup of blessing from which you are soon to drink represents the cleansing and freeing act of Christ's death on the cross. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today with thanks. We thank you for sending Jesus to drink drink from the cup of wrath through his death on the cross. We thank you for pulling us out of our comfort zones. We thank you that you have a plan that is better than ours, and we thank you for the cup of blessing that Christ has offered us. Help us each to better understand where you are calling us to, and we pray that your spirit continues to move within us so that we may glorify you every step of the way. Amen.